Welcome to another powerful word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church in the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Okay, well, I'm going to just read the beginning of several books in the Bible. You won't be able to go uh, turn as fast as I'm going to go. So to set the message up today about falling from grace, uh, let me just read the very beginning, the introductions to so many of the books in the New Testament. In Romans, the first chapter, in verse 7, for example, it says, To all who are in Rome, Paul writes, Beloved of God, called to be saints, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians, the next book, chapter 1. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 1. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 1, verse 3. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians His letter to the church in Philippi, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. The church in Colossae, the book of Colossians chapter 1, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God, the Father, and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Guess what he's going to say? Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you think he did it in 2 Thessalonians? Yeah. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. How about when he wrote to Timothy? Well, yes. Unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace. I guess Timothy needed a little mercy. He was pastoring Ephesus, and he needed a little mercy in his life. You know, from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. And then, you know, uh, you know later when he wrote to Timothy again in 2 Timothy, guess what he said? To Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. How about when he wrote to Titus? To Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, guess what? Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. How about when he wrote that little letter to a man named Philemon, talking to him about his slave that had run away and had gotten born again under the leadership of Paul while in Rome, and he sent him back to Colossae with a letter to Philemon? Guess what he said? Hey, Philemon, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. As if that were not enough, Peter did the same thing. First Peter, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Guess what? Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Do you see a little pattern going on here? Do you see the Holy Spirit? You know why? Because there's just one writer of all this stuff. It's the Holy Spirit. How about 2 Peter? Okay. Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) Amazing. Hey, look, one more. Well, I might give you a couple more. 
Okay, I know I'm at the point of almost boring you, but this one really interested me. Okay, Revelation chapter 1, verse 4. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Guess what? Grace be unto you and peace from him who is and who which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. I mean, even the seven spirits are sending out grace and peace. This grace and peace thing must be pretty important. What do y'all think? Hey, coach, I mean, I, over and over. I mean, if the Lord took that many times to try to tell me, hey, listen, it's my will for you to have grace and peace. Grace and peace, I want it to be multiplied in your life. I want grace and peace. I believe any reader of the New Testament would conclude that it is the will of God that we start out with grace and peace, that we have grace and peace and it gets multiplied in our life. Don't you think so? I think so. I mean, who could miss this? Grace is the God factor in our life. Grace is the God factor that makes us able to do and be what we could not do and be without God. Now think about this. Grace makes us, it's the God factor. It's the God element in our life. Grace is God's unmerited favor and ability that he's given to us. It's, it's a gift of God, okay? Grace is the God factor in our lives that makes us able to do and able to be what we could not do and what we could not be without God in our life, okay? And the measure of the grace of God in our life determines how much we are able to do of God's stuff and how much we are able to be a reflection of Christ, of God. Okay? So grace is God's favor and God's ability in our life. Not our ability, but God's ability in us. Okay? Now, that's important to remember. And of course, the second partner to grace was peace. Why? Because that's what we end up with whenever we are moving in the grace of God. When the grace of God is on our life, God's grace, one of the fruits of that grace of God in our life, of that gift, is peace. Peace is what we experience when we trust God. And when we stop trusting God, we stop experiencing peace. Are you with me now? When we trust God, we are at peace. When we are not at peace, we might be wrestling with trusting God. And we might be needing more of God's grace in our life to be what we cannot be on our own. To do what we cannot do on our own. 
Like the man who said to Jesus when Jesus said, if you believe, if you trust me, it's possible. He said, I do trust you a little bit, but would you help me trust you more? Because I'm struggling and I'm wrestling with trusting you in this certain situation. My child is sick, and I know that if I trusted you, I know that if things are going to be okay, but would you help my unbelief? Why? Because I need some peace in my life. I'm worried. Peace is, you know, that rich soil that is cultivated by our faith and our trust in God leaves us with peace. If we know God and are satisfied with His will, we will have peace. If we do not know God, and we do not trust God, if we are not satisfied with the will of God, we will have no peace. We'll be left in turmoil and struggling and wrestling. The Apostle Paul told us that God's grace is always sufficient. It's sufficient for everything that we need. Yet, I have seen people. Now listen to me now. God's grace is sufficient for our every need. His ability in us. He will help us supply what we're lacking. He will help us to be what we should be, what we need to be. He will help us to curb our appetites. He will help us to to cross those hurdles. He will help us. He will supply to us. What we do not possess on our own. Have you ever said, I cannot do this? Well, you cannot do it on your own. But you can through him who loves you. For you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. It is his grace. The grace of God. Yet, even though the grace of God is available to every one of his children... Yet I have seen people, I have seen good people, I have seen God's people fall from grace. How can a person know if they or someone else they care about has fallen from grace? Well, one of the greatest indicators when a person falls from grace is that they begin to lose their peace and their passion. They begin to lose passion for the things that they once loved, for the things that once fed them, for the things that once got them up in the morning with a smile on their face and sent them off to the day with great hope. They begin to lose their passion. They begin to lose their peace. Soon that peace that passes all understanding goes right out the door with their passion. And when somebody begins to lose that passion and lose that peace, it's not because God has failed. It's not because his grace is insufficient. It's often because we have stopped trusting, stopped following. A person can be doing everything that they should do. 
A person can be saying everything they should say. A person can be going through the motions and still look like they did before. However, there's no peace in their life. There's no joy in their life. There's no passion in their life. When a person falls from grace, they begin to lose peace with God. Come on now. You've been there. I've been there. You know, if you've walked very far in this life, you know what it's like to get up one morning and realize that you have been working for God and you have been burning your own oil and not His. And things sometimes that you once loved and once had a great passion for can become a drudgery. And you say, oh, do I have to do that again? You know what it's like to lose peace with God. And when people began to fall from grace, they first began to lose peace with God. And then they began to lose peace with others. If you don't fix it whenever there's not peace with you and God, whenever you're not trusting God and believing in God, and when the passion's not stirring and and the love is not there and, and the peace is not there, if you're not watchful, you'll begin to lose peace with other people. You'll begin to find problems and start start becoming critical and judgmental. And you know, if 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 you aren't at peace with God, it won't be long that you will not be at peace with one another. And what you can ultimately lose is the peace within yourself. Even peace with your own self. It's interesting that when we lose peace with God, we stop trusting Him. And we begin trusting in ourselves that what we, the way we would have done it would have been better. Whenever we fall from grace and and, and we start losing peace with others, we also stop trusting them. We become critical and judgmental and, you know, we just don't even want to be around others. And when we lose peace within ourselves, we often don't know where to turn. We don't know what to hope and we don't know where the help is. It's a sad thing to fall from grace from where you once were it's a sad thing to see someone else in life someone you love someone close to you fall from grace knowing that they at once in their life had peace with God once they had peace with others once they had peace in themselves once they had a passion for the things of Christ and even though they still might be doing some things yet you know that they are no longer in love with what they do They no longer trust, no longer hope. They're hidden in a dark place. It's a sad thing to see someone fall from grace that they once enjoyed so freely. However, our wonderful, loving, caring Father God, so many times the Holy Spirit wrote I mean, how many times do we have to be told, I want grace and peace to be multiplied in your life? It's God's desire. It's God's will. And and he gave us, God so graciously gave us a warning and gave us instruction concerning what we should do if we ever feel ourselves falling from grace. 
slipping back, backsliding, getting farther from God. If we ever feel the peace in our life slipping away, peace with others slipping away, not just one or two, but everybody in your world is just wrong. You know, you ever had one of those weeks? No hope. No hope for mankind. Well, fortunately, there is a biblical precedence for this spiritual syndrome called falling from grace. We're going to read a little bit about it happening in a first century church in the first letter to Ephesus. So if you'll turn with me now to 1st Ephesus 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, I left that one out a while ago. The first letter to Ephesus continues with great admonitions and great encouragement. Not only did the Holy Spirit desire for grace and peace to be to the believers and be multiplied and grow in the life of the believers in the church in Ephesus, but the Holy Spirit encouraged them with some things they needed to do in order to stir up these things so that they would continue in the grace and the peace of God. One of the things he said to them, and I encourage you to read uh, you know, the, all six chapters of this first letter to Ephesus. If you'll read all six chapters, you will find it mentioned over and over and over again. But here are some things that it says for us to do in order to continue to have grace and peace in our lives. He encourages you to pray. That's one of the first things he said, pray. He also encourages the Holy Spirit, uh, encourages us to be thankful for the salvation which was a gift from God because he loved us. Wow. It's not of works, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says. It's a gift of God. For by grace you are saved. Through faith. It's a gift. He also informed us that Jesus is our peace. That Jesus abolished the handwriting that's against us. That Jesus came and preached peace to the world. You can read all of that in Ephesus as the Holy Spirit is encouraging and giving instructions in what they need to do in order to keep in the grace of God and not fall from the grace of God, not slide back, not backslide away from God. He said, don't lose heart. He said, be rooted and grounded in love. You need to be rooted and grounded in love if you're going to stay in the grace of God and not backslide. You're going to need to be rooted and grounded in love. There's going to be plenty of opportunities to fall out of love with people, especially with sinners or family. Well, they're supposed to be funny. 
He said that we should know the love of Christ. We should walk worthy of Christ. We should grow up, he says in in, in Ephesians, and we should walk in the unity of the faith. He says if you want to stay in grace, you need to put off that old man. It's a process, and you need to put on the new man, but the grace of God is there to help you do that. He said don't allow anger to make you sin. Be angry and sin not, because if you start letting anger make you sin, you'll start sliding back away from God. You'll start backsliding, and less and less peace will be in your life. Less and less passion will be in your life if you begin to let anger dominate your life. You'll pretty soon find yourself just without the grace to be kind, without the grace to be forgiving, because it takes grace. It takes grace to forgive. What you cannot do, God can do through you. But you need that grace in order to be kind and caring and loving and forgiving and passionate about the things of God. Without God's grace, you don't have a chance to not sin when you get angry. He said, give no place to the devil. You need the grace of God. He said, don't use foul or abusive language. It just hurts other people. Don't hurt people's feelings. You need grace. Oh, come on. Don't use foul language. You need some grace. Come on now. Get get over here in the Bible with me, okay? Okay? These are some things that, that are all said in the book of Ephesus, okay? This first letter to Ephesus. Given instructions on how much we need grace. And without grace, we don't have peace. I want to live in peace. I want to live in peace with God. I want to live in peace with others. I want to live in peace within myself. I need God's grace for that. Because these are partners. Grace and peace. He said, choose your words carefully so that they encourage other people and build them up. He said, don't grieve the Holy Spirit by being all angry and bitter and filled with hate and wrath and envy and jealousy. You know, read it. It's right there in the book. Don't do anything with malicious intent. Don't do anything that's aimed at hurting somebody else. That's malicious. And that's, that's, that's what he said. Well, you'll know whenever you're falling from grace if you ever start doing malicious things. Be falling from grace, backsliding. And you'll lose peace with God, peace with others, and peace within yourself. Who wants to do that? These people in here are just looking at me like, oh my goodness, you're stepping on my toes. You know what I would say to them? Your toes don't need to be right there. (laughs) Don't you turn me off. This first letter to Ephesus says, Be kind and tender-hearting and forgiving, knowing that Jesus forgave you first. There's no reason for us not to be forgiving, but I can't forgive. You need the grace of God 
Because God's grace is that God element, that God factor that makes us able to do what we cannot do without him, makes us able to be what we could not be without him. But with him, I can do all things. I can forgive. I cannot be bitter. I can get over my anger and my resentment and my bitterness. I can get over my hurt and my pain. I can get through my worry and my fear. How? By the grace of God. And his grace is sufficient. How do I know when I'm falling from grace? I start losing peace. Peace with God, peace with others, peace within myself. Walk in love, he says. Listen to this. Wives, submit yourselves to your husband. You need some grace. Oh, come on now. Wives, submit yourself to your husbands as unto the Lord. You don't think that woman sitting beside you don't need some grace? You're wrong. Because whenever she starts backsliding, <laughs> she's going to lose peace with you. You're going to lose peace with her. <laughs> peace with God. Peace with one another. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. You're going to need some grace to do and to be. What you cannot do and be without him. Children, it says, obey your parents. Honor your parents. You will need some grace. That need to be taught upstairs. Children need some grace and you can obey your parents. Okay? Slaves, servants, employees. That's what he went to next in, in, in this first letter to Ephesus. Okay? Obey. Your masters, your bosses, your supervisors. You're going to need some grace. Come on now. I mean, this is, this is written to us by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit just keeps on trying, keeps on trying to say, I want grace and peace multiplied in your life. I want you to have grace and peace. I mean, how many times? Virtually every epistle. Also in Peter's writings. Also in the book of Revelation. Everyone, he said, put on the whole armor of God. You're going to need some grace to quench those fiery darts of the enemy. The, these admonitions, they continue. You've you got to read all six chapters, okay? Uh, these, uh, these admonitions concerning how to continue in grace and peace, they are amazing. Uh, the first letter to the church in Ephesus concludes in chapter 6 with the last two verses. And guess what they say? After he said all that, verse 23, peace to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace. This is the last word to that. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Wow. You know, the word grace is found 159 times in the scriptures. Twelve times just in the book, this first letter to Ephesus. Twelve times in that six chapters. The word peace, by the way, is found 429 times in the Bible. That's amazing, huh? Well, the prayer, grace and peace be multiplied to you. You know, I mean, over and over and over. We read that. And the church in Ephesus 
in the first century, they heeded that warning. And they did good, okay? They did. They started doing what, what the Apostle Paul, by the, by the hand of the Holy Spirit, pinned to them. They started doing it, and they, they were doing good. I mean, literally, they adapted their lives to reflect Christ and his love for the lost. The believers in Ephesus, they worked hard to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to, to all of Eurasia, and they were very, very successful. Isn't that amazing? Well, uh, let's just... Suffice it to say that they did great things for Jesus and others. Yet, somewhere along the way, they too forgot why they were doing it. You wouldn't think somebody that had been preached to that much by the Apostle Paul and had all these other people, Timothy and, and uh, Aquila and Priscilla and, and uh, you know, uh, 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 John, uh, the Apostle John living there. You wouldn't expect them to, but they did. They fell from grace. They backslid. A mere 40 years after they had received this first Holy Spirit-inspired letter, the church in Ephesus fell into the need to have another letter written to them. They needed a fresh word from God. Hence, the second letter to Ephesus was delivered by Jesus himself. The Apostle Paul had lived in Ephesus for three years, right at three years, and he was used by the Holy Spirit to pen the first one. Well, John, the, God, the, 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 the Apostle John, lived in Ephesus for over a quarter century. He was used by the Holy Spirit to pen this second letter to Ephesus. Uh, let's read from the second letter uh, uh, to Ephesus right now. You'll find it in the book of Revelation, chapter 2. This is the second letter to Ephesus that we have. Verse 1, to the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Whoa, we're talking about Jesus himself. This is what Jesus is saying to you, okay? I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars, and you have persevered, and have patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Doesn't that sound like, man, they have been doing, whoo, yeah, 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 they've labored and persevered, and they've, I mean, they've been doing this now, you know, for uh, up and when they received this letter, they've been doing this for perhaps 40, you know, 45 years, 42, 45 years. They had been really doing what, what was written to them last. You know, they've been working, working, working for Jesus, working for Jesus, been working for Jesus, okay? Verse 4. Nevertheless, I have this against you. Whoops. 
Wait a second. Wait, 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 Jesus. You said I've persevered, I've labored, you know, and I'm, and, and I'm not grown weary. I've been working. I mean, I've been working and working and working. I've been doing everything right. I've been doing it. I've been, well, I've been doing it. Yeah. Yeah. You've been doing it. It's like that young rich ruler. I've done all that since my youth. Jesus said, you're lacking one thing. He said, I have this against you. You have left your first love. You know, it's not just in doing Christian things. It's not just in doing them. It's in why are you doing them? What's the motivation? Have you lost your passion for the things you once loved, hungered for, got up and ran toward for the things that once consumed you? Have you left your first love? Remember, he said, verse 5, therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Now, I do not believe he's talking about here taking your salvation away that's not it he's simply talking here about you no longer being useful for him he's going to have to replace you with somebody else because he wants somebody to do his work that loves to do it that wants to do it he wants to have somebody who's doing what they should be doing and they love doing it not just i'm doing it because i got to do it not just I'm being a husband, a wife, I'm being an employee. You know, I don't want an employee that's just there because they have to be there. You know, I was the largest employer in my hometown for almost 20 years. Do you know the people that were just there because they had to be, always had to be watched and always had to be motivated? And you just hate to have to crack that whip. People don't do well without passion. Somewhere along the way, these believers in the church at Ephesus experienced a fall from grace. The grace that God had given them to love the lost and to love the work of God and to love the church, to love, as, as, as the New Living Translation puts it in Revelation 2-4. But I have this complaint against you, Jesus said. You don't love me or each other as you did at the first. These saints did not lose their salvation, but rather they lost the joy of their salvation. And they were in danger of becoming unusable to Jesus. How sad would it be to fall from grace, to lose the passion that you once had for the work of God and no longer be in love with what you do for Him. I've experienced that in my life. I pastored a church in Ruston, Louisiana, and it was difficult. It was very difficult to pastor that church. There were people in that church that did not want me there after the first year. And I started that church, but they decided they were going to move me along by starving me out. But God told me I wasn't finished there yet. You know, uh, I had a whole church 
of young adults, of college kids. And I was ministering to them, discipling them. Jeff Phillips was in that church, and Tina was in that church, and you know Byron was in that church, Cynthia Miller, Byron Miller, all untold numbers of others that we still have relationship with that are still serving the Lord and are still doing great. And the Lord told me I wasn't finished there yet. And so they did succeed in causing me to lose my house and lose my car and, and lose, my, uh, lose my credit for seven years. They did succeed in, 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 you know, and I was getting, I felt like getting the hell beat out of me. And one day, I went to lunch, and I came back from lunch. I got out of my car. I was about to walk into my office. And a woman came up and pulled up, and she was one of the people that had really was really trying to run me out of town and uh you know it was it was a very difficult day and she said pastor i need to talk to you and i said okay won't you go on in and i'll be in there in just a moment and as she walked away you know what i said in my heart i said what is that woman doing here bothering me that's what I said, Lewis. And as she turned to walk away and I heard myself say that, it smote my heart. And I fell down on the ground on my knees and then fell on over on my face. And I began to weep and I began to cry. And I said to the Lord, I'm no good to you, God. I'm no good to you anymore. I no longer love what I do. Lord, I love you, but I don't like your people. This is what I said to him as I'm weeping there on my face. You remember that, Ken? Ken and I were friends, and he was pastoring in Hope, Arkansas, and he knew what I was, uh, he knew the problems, and he would come down and preach for me. Lord, I don't like your people anymore. God, I'm no good to you. Lord, I need to be healed. Heal me, God, but I'm no good to you now. I got it from there, and I went and took care of that woman. And then that was like on a Friday. That Sunday morning, I stepped up in the pulpit, and I said, I resign. And I did. And I went and put on a tool belt, and I started building buildings. I moved 150 miles and just, just attended church. And, and I had been pastoring for a long time, but I just wasn't any good. It wasn't in my heart. Zach, I'd lost the passion for what God had called me to. I was no longer in love with what I did. I asked the Lord for one year to heal. It took me about six months to heal. And I had six months of hungering to do what I do today hungering and weeping and laying on the floor and crying and and petitioning god please sir please give me another chance please give me another chance lord I, i'll never let myself get in that situation again lord i was working hard for god but i had i was working for him I, but i was burning my own oil that make any sense one year to the day I came to this church. 
John and Franny, Robert and Charlotte, y'all said I could be your pastor. I've never taken that for granted. It was the desire of my heart more than you can imagine. I had to borrow a car to come down here and preach. Move my family down here. Us and those few people that we had in that building that was being repossessed. We owed everybody in town. Nobody take a check from us. And we were, you know, uh, things had been bad, but it didn't look bad to me. It was a field. That's what I said to the Lord. God, just give me a field. I'll play out, Lord. I don't care what it looks like. Give me a field. You know how that hunger is, you know? Well, you know what? Guess what? Here, 33 years later, I still wake up every morning with that hunger. I am never going to get in that place again. I love what I do. I've fallen from grace. I know what it's like to have no peace in my life. I know what it's like to, to have no joy, to have hurt and resentment. I don't want any more of that. God, just getting close to Him, there's enough grace. There's enough grace that is sufficient to just, I just walk around happy without respect, you know, to what you do or don't do. Because I'm not your judge. <laughs> you know, I am your servant, but you're not my boss. Isn't that pretty good? That's a pretty good deal. That's the way we all are. All right. Well, hey, three things as I close this morning that you need to remember. How can a person who's fallen from grace, who has no peace, who has lost trust in the way God is doing it or joy within themselves... How can they recover? Well, he said it right there in the book of Revelation. Number one is remember. Remember from where you're fallen. Remember what it was like when he first saved you, first called you, first forgave you. Remember. Number two, repent. That's what he said. Repent. Turn around. Somewhere, somewhere the prodigal son had to come to himself and say, my goodness, I remember how good I had it at my dad's house. I'm going to turn around and go back. And number three, return. Remember, repent, and return. Return. You can begin that process right now. Why not? If there's no peace, no joy, no hope, why live without those things? Why live outside of the grace of God? God's grace, it's the God factor that makes us able to be what we cannot be without Him and to do what we cannot do without Him. His grace is sufficient and it's available to you if you'll just ask. God bless you. Thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.